2020 NFL Draft is almost in the books. The Bengals have made, to this point, six picks that highly affect their roster in a good way. We're almost done. We're going to bring you the last pick here on the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. I'm Anthony Kazenza, and for the first time, we have the triumvirate together, the mighty triumvirate. <laughs> uh, we, we've done a lot of separate shows. We did the big roundtable with Zim and Ace Boogie, but not yet with us three, really. Great Our to trio. have yeah, that's right. Great to have you both with me, John Sheeran, usual, my usual co-host, and Matt Minnick, host of Chalk Talk, joining us as well. We're going to talk about what the Bengals have done with their draft picks in their draft class, break it all down, give some favorites, and obviously we will announce when the Bengals go on the board here, probably in about 15 or so minutes, they will be making their what seems to be their final pick unless something weird happens and they want to get another seventh round pick for some reason, but I don't see that. Happening. Know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. It's been a, it's been a fun weekend, but it's been a long weekend for all of us. And uh, just quickly, thank you both for all the work you've done, not only for the podcast side, but also for Stincy jungle. You guys have been doing an, an immense amount of work. So I can't thank you both enough, by the way, in case you can't tell, we've all got the draft lids going and New Era has been a, a partner of this program as well. So they were kind enough to get us those hats. Unfortunately, they got to John and Matt a little later than I would have liked because they, I had to send them forward. But they got them just in time for the draft to be done. So our thanks to New Era and the draft gear. Go go get their draft hats. Celebrate the Bengals draft class in style with New Era caps. I was a blocking tight end, so I mean, I'm a day three pick anyway. There you go. Well, yeah, let's, just in time for me. Yeah, there you go. Well, sorry, <laughs> great segue, great segue, Matt. I love it. So let's talk. I mean, obviously, we want to talk about Burrow and Higgins and Logan Wilson, but we, you know, I think maybe we start focusing a bit more on what the team has done today on the final day. So, Matt, I'll start with you. You know, the Bengals double dipped at linebacker with Akeem Davis Gaither. They somewhat surprisingly grabbed the Notre Dame edge player with the fifth round pick. And then they went offensive tackle Hakeem Adeniji, a guy that was on your day three targets for the Bengals. What do you, how do you think the Bengals have done so far with their three picks, the fourth yet to be determined? I, I'm, I'm pretty impressed. Uh, you know, I, I got to go back and look a little bit more um, at uh, uh, Khalid Kareem. I, I watched him and I graded him out. Right, basically, I, I put him at the fourth to fifth round range, so kind of right where he ended up. Um, you know, but my basically from from my notes uh, and what I remember of him, I think he's just one of those guys that's you can't really complain too much about him. Like he's not super exciting or dynamic in any way, but uh, but he's he's pretty solid all around. So I think I, like I, I tweeted something about comparing him to Sam Hubbard, and and I mean that's kind of what I meant. It was like. Sam Hubbard's a guy that you can do a lot of stuff with, and he's going to be pretty dependable for you for the most part. Uh, but he's probably never going to be a you know a ten sack guy or you know going to necessarily going to Pro Bowls or anything like that. But he's a guy that's going to be a, you know a part of your defense. You know that's going to be important. So um, you know getting Akeem in there, you know great value. I really like that linebacker group has been completely made over. Because uh, man, Wilson can move. He can, you know, Wilson can fly. Akeem can fly. Um, so I mean, that's huge. It's like in free agency, they completely made over the, the secondary, and in the draft, they completely made over the um, uh, the linebacker core with guys who can cover. 
So, I mean, we should be much better in coverage once they get these rookies uh, on board and, and in there. So, so that's pretty exciting. And then, uh, you know, Hakeem, Hakeem's been my guy for a while. I, I think he's, he's a tremendous athlete. Um, this is a guy, he's a four-year starter at left yeah. tackle for Kansas. He has had four different offensive line coaches. So, you know, like you think four-year started, but he's a developmental guy, you know, like that doesn't seem to add up. He's had four different coaches. So he's been taught a lot of different things. Uh, so, you know, getting him kind of he, – he's going to take a little bit of time to get kind of cleaned up. Um, I saw Lindsey Patterson, friend of the pod. Uh, she uh, tweeted that Callahan says he's going to play guard and tackle. Um, so, you know, that would be my – you know, that would make sense to me to probably just leave him on one side of the field. Give him a shot at tackle because this is a more valuable position. Uh, but if not, you always kick him inside the guard. And I think the way his athletic ability uh, in the man schemes that, you know, John did a great piece on, on how we uh, switched over to more uh, down gap, you know, man blocking type schemes uh, in those types of schemes that the Bengals are running. I think he's going to be a great fit. Well, I want to get more on, on your thoughts on Adenogy and his potential, especially as it pertains to him potentially getting a, a starting job or a high profile role with the Bengals on the offensive line as soon as 2020, but I know he was a guy that you you looked at, and there is a lot of athleticism to, to note there. I did a little research on him before I kick it to you, John. I did a little research on him. I think he had 30-plus, close to 40 pressures given up as a freshman starter at left tackle, cut that down, improved steadily each year, and cut it down to, I think, just five as a senior. Um, so, uh, you know, pretty, pretty good progress there. Again, Kansas not a football powerhouse by any stretch, but – you know, uh, play did play against some some high profile teams and and seemed to steadily improve and showed a lot of athleticism on tape. And now you've got a guard tackle versatile player there, John. You as the day began, I saw a tweet where you know you were kind of noting uh, maybe some emojis about certain players that the Bengals were talking about. Akeem Davis Gaither was one of them. I want to get your thoughts on on what you think that pick means for the team, the value that the Bengals got in the fourth round with him. And I also want to ask you what your concern about the injury history is between the foot and the reports on the knee. Is this something that we should be, you know, extremely worried about immediately? Or is this more, hey, let, that's something that's going to maybe be affecting him more three years down the road. Let's let's enjoy the pick now. I'm not a doctor, and most of them are dealing with more important issues at this moment. But if the Bengals were confident <laughs> enough of. to, yeah, like if, if they were confident enough to, to take him here, I, I think that. Because he wasn't the only player that was going into this draft with major injury concerns. Prince Tegawanogo, who is still available right now, apparently his knee injury is a lot worse than we thought. He's still right, available. So, uh, yeah, like, um, if the Bengals didn't take him, I'm assuming he probably would have gone off pretty soon off the board if, if that was the consensus with his medical. It's concerning, obviously, and it's it's going to be a concern until he's able to string together, you know, multiple weeks, maybe years without it being an issue. I think it's the same type of knee injury that uh, Sonny Michel uh, suffered mm. when he first became with the Patriots. I think Matt might know a little bit more about, about that because he's in the North, Northeast region, but uh, the value is obviously great. That's that's literally the only question you have with this pick. Um, I, I don't know about pro football focuses comparison to Jalen Smith, but if that name is being thrown around there, it's, it's, it's obviously it, it's warranted to a certain degree. He flies around the field and he's only 225 pounds. I don't think the Bengals should ask him to put, any, put on any more weight because he 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 and Logan Wilson. Now you have two linebackers that you're comfortable with playing in your sub packages, playing in space, dropping back into deep deep depths and in coverage, matching up with underneath routes and coverage. 
great instincts as, as a pass defender. I think 18 career pass deflections at Appalachian State. He actually played most of his snaps last year as an edge rusher, and I think yeah. the Bengals are going like to have the opportunity, like they have the opportunity to put him as this unidentifiable box player that they have to deal with when they play the Ravens twice a year. And just have a guy who can be who can be a blitzer off the edge. Maybe have some have him on some stunts with your other edge players, but to also be you know maybe a quarterback spy when they play the Ravens. Just be able to drop back into coverage and just run and chase as a, as a pursuit linebacker. He fits a lot about what they were looking for at linebacker this year. And like Matt said, he is the he's one of these new faces now of this completely revamped position group that now has a resemblance of athleticism right you've got pratt let's not forget about him oh. uh you got pratt that can do a lot of different things for your defense you've got Bynes, kind of the veteran leadership guy heady football player now you've got two pretty athletic guys in logan wilson and akeem davis gather and, and the good thing is they bring you versatility and they can do different things and you can show different formations and schemes and do a lot of different things with those guys. And that's exactly what Lou Anarumo has wanted on this. They were, they were so limited at that position last year. And now it seems that they can do a lot of different things. And Oh, by the way, a lot of people are angry about the Bengals, not really addressing offensive line, but the Steelers like to run the football quite a bit and are effective at it. The Ravens and their attack with Lamar Jackson, you got to be able to contain that and have mid mid-tier linebacker, you know, mid, mid-tier defenders that are able to, to guard that effectively. Cleveland has guys who can run the football well for them. So, I mean, you, you got to have guys that can tackle you and guys that can do different things for you. Matt, you, you brought this up on Twitter. You said, you kind of mentioned the, the facet that both Davis Gaither and uh, uh, Khalid Kareem are coaches kids and they were captain team captains. I think, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the emphasis on character, I don't, you, you being a, a former coach and, and uh, college player, et cetera, I, I kind of wanted to get your insight on that. What do you think that means to this, to this locker room? And, and you know what, Zach Taylor still preached character. They had a chance to take a, a, a Sadiq Charles, a guy that could probably help them right away at tackle. They said, no, thanks. They went a different route. I mean, I, I guess you got to kind of got to respect the fact that they're, they're really taking into the character aspect into account here. Yeah. I mean, they're definitely looking at it uh, a little differently than the last regime did. So, uh, and I think especially this year, you know, that stuff's important because, you know, like a, a Willie Gay, you know, I, I think some people yeah, were disappointed when they, they, they traded uh, ahead uh, of us to get him, you know, and uh, maybe he was in the works for round three. Uh, but, you know, that's a guy that you're going to have some questions about. And when there's questions like that, people generally feel better, whether it means anything or not, but feel better about it if you can talk to the guy and shake his hand and look him in the eye. Uh, so, you know, I, I can see where they would slip down for that reason. But, but yeah, I mean, definitely having having more leaders, having team captains, having guys from, you know, winning traditions and, you know, that, that are, are used to being winners and, um, and were raised a certain way by, by coaches that, you know, have that expectation. Um, or, yeah, I, I think there's definitely a lot of positives there. So this is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast, a special episode, not only wrapping up the NFL draft, but special because you got the three of us together giving you our perspectives on the draft as it closes up here. The Bengals will be on the clock shortly. We'll be taking you up to that pick, announcing it on the air, talking about the class a little bit beyond that, and then we're closing up shop for draft weekend and letting everybody, including 
my esteemed co-hosts enjoy their weekend and soak in what seems to what looks to be a, a good draft class so far for the Cincinnati Bengals. John, you you are you do a lot of research on the analytics side. Look, the Cincinnati Bengals, I put a tweet out last night. Joe Burrow, I, I think he had the highest quarterback PFF score that they've ever had historically uh, at the position. You had a 91 overall grade for T Higgins. Uh, that was before the championship game. And then you had a 90 plus grade for overall grade for Logan Wilson. You know, there's 80 uh, high eighties grades for Davis Gaither as a pass rusher, the past two seasons. I, basically what I'm, what I'm getting at is the Bengals seem to be emphasizing a little bit more, of the analytics side of things than they have in years past. Do you think that number one, that's accurate. Number two, that it's because of this new coaching staff or number three, because of the COVID crisis and they have to rely on that stuff a bit more. I think they're prioritizing production and that kind of goes with it. Um, when I say production, I don't just mean volume stats. I mean, market share relative to team production. Um, Joe Burrow has the production of a multiple pro bowl quarterback. I think, I mean, that, he was going to be the pick regardless, but right. he has the potential to be something special, which is what they intended to be. Uh, for how old T. T. Higgins is, he was pretty productive as well. You would like to think that had he come back to Clemson, he could have maybe produced a little bit more in that offense. But I think considering how old he how old he was and how much more he could develop into, I think he has the production of a future starter. Uh, every one of these picks, like they, they were productive in college. And they'll – their production is in, is indicative of them becoming some long-term starters. And I think that's great if you have multiple of them all throughout the draft. Uh, Khalid Kareem, I think, was – or he was actually the more productive edge rusher compared to his teammate Julian Aquara, who I think won a couple rounds ahead of him. Right. Um, yeah, he, so he was productive at Notre Dame. Akeem Davis-Gaither was productive at App State. Logan Wilson was productive at, at Wyoming. And you want guys who, you know, don't play against great strength of schedules, don't play great conferences to be dominant against that competition. I think both those guys fit the bill there. You can't really, you know, measure production unless you want to go into the PFF side of the offensive line. But at least uh, Hakeem was, was experienced at multiple offensive line positions and has the athleticism to be versatile along the entire offensive line. So I, I would agree with that. I think they've mostly aligned with a lot of PFF grades in recent years and in terms of drafting, but I, I think they, they just went out and got a bunch of guys who I think it can, can become long-term starters. And you may not have multiple Pro Bowls in this draft, but I think in, in terms of making safe bets, sticking to you know some of the best players on their board and getting guys who were, were good in college and put on good tape, I think they did a great job at that. And that's just off of that. So, you know, it's interesting because, Anthony, what you're talking about, I believe, is, is PFF's actual player grades, like they're yeah. – yeah. And, and, you know, generally when we talk about analytics, we're talking about the things that John brought up, right? We're, we're talking about market share and production and things along those lines. So when you look at the two and when they're doing uh, well in both of them, like it, it shows you that like they're doing what the, what the coaches want them to do, but then they're also having those things that are, that are, are marks of, of high success. Cause you know, the, the grades that you mentioned, like, uh, you know, Luke Meadows, the offensive line coach at Kansas, he was he was grading Hakeem's film every every single week, just like the guys at PFF were. Uh, like so, from a coaching standpoint, like even the old school guys that are are anti analytics or whatever, they're not really because they're doing they're doing all that stuff. Yeah. So it, it mean it, it, it's great too when you see that they're coming in and they have both of those things. You know that, that they're that they they're showing. Uh, you know, the, the, it's really those grades. That's their film. You know, that's 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 their film aside from the. 
Um, you know, the film projection, we look at, we're like, oh, he's twitchy. That's, oh, he's doing his job. So, you know, he's, so this is showing that these guys are doing their job. They are effective at what they're doing. And they've got all those things, like John's pointing out, that are, that are highly predictive and showing that they're likely to be successful in the future. Yeah, I may have misspoke a little bit in, in what I titled that, but uh, you know, I, I guess I'm just kind of using that as a a broad scope type of approach. In the oh, fact sure, yeah, no, I, I, I got you. I'm just yeah, because I mean, and, and it's all PFF and and everything PFF does. I mean, you know, everything PFF does gets worked in as analytics and really right. analytics is information, you know, right. so like everything is analytics, but yeah, but I'm, I'm just saying from, from both uh, to anybody who like turns out they're having to like, oh, I don't want to hear about the numbers and stuff. Like when you're talking about that stuff, that's the film, you know, and then, yeah. and, that, and that's showing that they're, they're doing their job. Right. Especially big with these defensive players when you be playing the Ravens. Right. Exactly. And uh, you know, it just, it, it's something that jumped out to me because in years past, it just seemed like they were guys that, more fit a, a they, they selected players that more fit a a player profile that they had built up in the past you know your your big strong the the, the offensive lineman who could bench a bunch right mm-hmm. uh, for instance and but they don't have great feet or great technique but they're very very strong well now it's it's more tape you know watching the tape driven the PFF scores are tying into these these productive players and you're seeing that they're taking players that have productive careers and are are versatile. They're not set in on certain specific player profiles, which mm-hmm. is really refreshing to see. I, they didn't even do this really last year because I think they had such a late start on everything with the coaching staff. Sure. They, they kind of just said, well, we like some of these players. Let's let's <laughs> kind of rush together this this process and, and get players. And I, I think that you saw that by some of the ineffectiveness of some of the players when they got out of the field last year. I, I want to get to to this here, and we're a few picks away from the Bengals taking the clock. I think they are on pick two hundred eight right now. Green Bay and the Bengals go on at two seventeen. John, what's your what's your favorite pick so far of the of the six uh, in terms of value, position, need? I mean, I, I know Burrow's probably the easy one to go with, but do you have a specific one maybe that you're saying, yeah, I, I really like this for the Cincinnati Bengals? I I don't think. They necessarily made a bad pick, so whatever you want to go is fine. It's really your preference. I think I lean towards uh, Davis Gaither, and sure. the, because the only question mark there is the injury. Like, obviously, Joe Burrow's a great pick at one. Is the only pick they could have made. So I don't, right. I don't think they deserve any more credit than what they've been given. I think Higgins at thirty-three was fine. Wilson at sixty-five was fine. Davis Gaither could have gone a lot earlier had he not been injured, and I think them taking a chance on that is, is, is a chance worth taking because if, if he pans out, if he stays healthy, that that is an asset that you can use on all three downs. It gives you exactly what you need at the at the position. You can do multiple things with him, and you know all the intangible stuff is great as well. And that's that's what makes that's what makes a player like him. That that's those are the things that allow him to reach his full potential, and his potential is very high for what he is. So I, I would say based off of everything that goes into evaluating the draft pick from a long-term perspective and where they were picked, Davis gave is my pick. Matt? I mean, it's hard to disagree with that. I, I think that, number one, showing the commitment to the position, I thought there was a good chance. I actually think I wrote an article on this. I thought there was a good chance that they would take two linebackers. I, I wouldn't expect it to be bang, bang, you know, that quick. I thought I thought maybe the, the second one would be in the sixth or the seventh round. So, um, I think showing the commitment to like we like we said before to remake that position, redefine what you're looking for in a linebacker, really, um, and then yeah, just the versatility he brings. Now, in general, the three four stuff uh, that we saw last year, it was guys that we think of as defensive ends. 
uh, Hubbard, Lawson, Dunlap, who were standing up on the edge. Uh, so I mean, technically, it's a five. It's a five-two by what the personnel is. Yeah. Um, but there were times, and I don't like. I don't know if this is by design, if they're trying to be deceptive with it, or if it's just they get stuck with certain personnel on the field. But there are times it would be Nick Vigil and, and Sean Williams that were the that were the edges. You know, so Akeem is a guy like that who. And he's pretty fast, you know. He's he's a little bit more built, like <laughs> like a like a safety too. So I mean, you know, he's a guy that I I think that you get stuck with him on the field, and you want Von Bell, you're okay uh, in a lot of situations. I think you get stuck with him on the field, and you wanted to have Tupo on there, have the extra D lineman. Well, you're you're gonna be okay. You bump Hubbard down, and and you can you know you can live with that one uh, in the three four stuff. So I think having that versatility, um, you know, so they can't read on our personnel and that and the we can uh, adjust, uh, especially when teams are coming out in different formations. Like they come out one personnel and you think they're going to be spread because they have athletic tight ends and then they come out, you know, and they're, and they're bunching in and you, and you want to be in that three, four look to stop the run. Um, yeah. I think, I think the versatility that, that he brings is going to be going to be really interesting. going to be really fun. Yeah. I mean, hey, Joe Burrow, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, I just want to ask Matt this, this question um, about Khalid Kareem. We haven't really talked about that much. Um, he's, I think, 6'4", 263 pounds, but he's got long arms, 34-inch arms, pretty big hands. And and his one big knock on him is that he's not an explosive athlete. He's not going to give you those wild plays. Mm-hmm. Do you think that it would be smart for the Bengals to beef him up to about 270, maybe even almost, almost 280 pounds, and be that be that five technique? You could also play three technique instead of mm-hmm. keeping him as an edge. You, you know, honestly, watching this film, because after, after we, we took the pick, I went back and, and you know just turned on his highlights just to get an idea of him again. And I kind of got that idea. I was like, I was like, you know what? I think he could play inside. And then I looked at his weight and I was like, oh, maybe not. So, um, but yeah, I mean, if, if he's got a frame that can carry that without, he's not twitchy already, you know, if he's not, yeah. he's lower off the ball, you know, uh, 10, you know, 10, 15 pounds heavier, uh, then I'd be all for it. And, and I think maybe, maybe it's a different kind of versatility, like, like, AJ Epinesa, you know, we had talked about him. Yeah. I, I thought he was a guy that could do that, but then maybe also be a stand-up guy in the edge. Um, you know, going back and watching some of the games from last year, I'm, I'm doing an extensive breakdown about 10 games in, but uh, early in the year, Andrew Brown was t- at 290 pounds playing stand-up, uh, you know, three, four outside linebacker, 290 pounds. So, you know, I think there's some benefit to having that guy. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, if, if his body can handle it, he's not getting any slower. I, I think that would give him a different type of versatility um, because he, he looks more like a guy who should be bumping inside than a guy that, that should be you know dropping off quite a bit and stuff. And, um, and I'll, I'll have to do a deeper dig on his uh, uh, dive on, on his film uh, you know, in, the, in the coming weeks to, to see, but I, you know, at a quick glance and in my notes, I don't have anything about him dropping off into coverage. So I don't know if he, he does that. So, Having that versatility, yeah, I, I think I think it's a good idea to give it a shot. You took the words out of my mouth with the Andrew Brown thing. I mean, there's there's a similar type of uh, experiment, if you want to call it that, going on there. This is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. Matt Minnick, John Sheeran, I'm Anthony Cazenza. You have heard our shows, whether it's John and I or Matt on his own with many guests. And now you've got all three of us coming together talking about the NFL draft. The Bengals are closing up shop, and we will be shortly after that as well. But get the show how you can. Try and join us live if you're able. Uh, YouTube, Cincy Jungles, Facebook, however you can. If not, subscribe to our channels and get notified when we go live. Get notified when we put up new material, whether it's from Matt, whether it's from John and I or all three of us. 
subscribe to our channels, leave us a review. By the way, guys, we've had an uh, immense amount of downloads and views and all kinds of stuff from our viewers. Not just this week or this weekend either. It's really been over the, the course of the past two or so months. Uh, we've really seen a gigantic spike in stuff. So we can't thank our listeners enough for all the support they've shown us. Really, uh, I mean, for, for the entirety of our programming, but really... Uh, in 2020, we've seen a, a nice re-engagement from our fans. And I think a lot of that has to do with what the Bengals have done over the past couple of months as well. So can't thank you guys enough. We, we enjoy giving you the material. So we're going to we're going to keep giving it to you. Where do you guys think they go with this last pick here? Um, do you think they get a, another toy for Joe Burrow in terms of a maybe a running back, tight end, wide receiver? Do you think they look at defensive back, which they have not taken somewhat surprisingly yet? Do you think it's offensive linemen? Um, what, do, what do you guys think? And uh, whoever wants to go first, you guys go first. Matt, you can go. All right. Well, I'm a little behind on, on what's going on because I didn't have I don't have the uh, <laughs> I don't have the picks up on my screen. But I mean, I think both of those make sense. I I was kind of expecting them to to go for a corner at some point, um, and I also think that you know the, getting a, a speed receiver uh, could be you know could be an interesting uh, prospect. Maybe somebody that could return some kicks too. I know that the, uh, I know Reed was gone, but um, like, and, and I'm, I, I might throw out some names that are gone. So forgive me, but like an Isaiah Coulter from, uh, from URI who has some, uh, some speed. Um, Eagles just took Prince Tega Winogo, by the way. Ah, all right. Oh, wow. Somebody. I think, I, I think Coulter went to the Bucks a little bit earlier as well. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, man, these, these these last few picks have been moving. So, um, but yeah, you know, maybe somebody a little faster like that, um, and you know, a big a big person that, that uh, a lot of people have been talking about, and I, I can't claim as uh, Perno uh, Motley, Motley Motley Go, uh, the Tulane guy. I uh, know the uh, Oklahoma guy. Oh, uh, I'm not sure. So Motley's a guy, and I talked about him in my D three options. Not invited to the combine. The only negative I've seen by anybody on him is is that he he's handsy. You're like you know he he does uh, um, have a number of, of pass interferences as well. All right, oh, this is awesome. Uh, so he's got some pass interferences, but uh, this is a guy who effectively shut down Denzel Mims, Jalen Rager, um, and uh, uh, when she, when he was matched up on Chase, Chase didn't do much in that game either. Uh, so like this is a guy. That's, that's, face up against some big guys and maybe he's doing some things they might not get away with in the NFL, but uh, you know, smooth, smooth hippie guy that I think could be worth a shot. There's a lot of uh, like main corners uh, that I, that I like in this draft that I think could be, you know, worth a shot at this point. Don, well, right. I that, uh, um, that, that other one was like, I felt like my head was never in the screen. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. Uh, I, I think, I think they're going to go defensive back here. They met with a lot of them. Uh, in the pre-draft process, I think if you look at just the, like a chart of what positions they uh, talked to, I think cornerback and safety were probably two of the most. Uh, there's a couple of guys from the Senior Bowl. I think J- Javaris Davis, I think is his name, the cornerback from Auburn. He's still able. They actually worked him out before COVID-19 uh, tore everything mm-hmm. apart. Um, guys like Madre Harper was also in the Senior Bowl. Um, uh, Dane Jackson was also in the Senior Bowl, cornerback from Pitt. Uh, there's a couple safeties as well. J.R. Reed from from uh, Georgia, Jalen Elliott, the safety from Notre Dame. He's still able. They they talk with him over FaceTime. Uh, Geno Stone, the safety from Iowa, is a PFF favorite. He's also available. 
Um, other other than that, they could go, they could dip back in, into edge rushing and get a, a guy a little bit more versatile than uh, Khalid Kareem. There's uh, Derek Tusak, Tuz, 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 Derek Tuska, I think is his name from North Dakota State. Tusak? <laughs> wow. Uh, Azur Kamara, Azur Kamara as well, the edge rusher from Kansas. He was also the senior bowl. So I think it's going to be on defense. I think it's going to be one of those position groups. Yeah, I, I do. I agree with you guys. I think it's probably going to be a defensive back. I do see the the wisdom in maybe getting another uh, skill position player, whether that's a pass catching tight end. I, I got to look and see if uh, the tight end from Washington, I think it's Hunter Bryant. Uh, I don't know if he ended up getting. Uh, He's still there. Yeah, he's still there. I think last I checked, Eno Benjamin, the Arizona State running back, yeah. you know, that could be a, an option depending on what they're feeling about the Mixon situation and ro- how Rodney Anderson fits into things with his injuries. I mean, that's mm. stuff that uh, I, I wonder about. There's a lot, a lot of talk. And I know John loves this player, Thad Moss. A lot of fans want Thaddeus Moss. Uh, I mean, there, is I, an LSU, there is an LSU tight end available that I would like to draft. His name is Stephen Sullivan. <laughs> uh, I mean, at seventh round pick, it's kind of like I mean, if he's if if you want to go that route, it's a seventh round pick. So no harm, no foul. Do you want a tight end who runs four six or five flat? Right. I mean, I, I if you, I, to me, that's why the Washington the kid from Washington makes uh, some sense. If you're going to look, if you really want a kid that that is maybe has a little more upside and at that position and can give you a little bit more pass catching ability. That those routes would be preferable to me than than Thad. Really, the only thing Thad Moss brings is that is the relationship factor to uh, to, to Joe Burrow and and the rapport that they've built there. So that's yeah. that, that's kind of the, the big upside there. But um, did I did, did AJ Green get picked? Uh, not that he AJ. Did not. Yeah, that was another one I think that was wasn't he a Senior Bowl guy, John, and a guy that you yes. previewed in one of our prospect watches, I think. That was before I realized he wasn't any good, <laughs> but he is still available. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that was that was a guy I remember we talked about a bit. So we are a few minutes away here from the Bengals taking the clock. Um, I, th- I think it's at pick 212 or 213 right now. They're a few picks away. Um, how do you feel that the Bengals have set themselves up roster-wise? I mean, I, I, are you comfortable with, with what they've done? And, and going back to an earlier question I had for you, Matt, do you think Adenogy has a shot to, based on his skill set, do you think they're going to give him a shot to win a starting position? Does he have the ability right away to win a starting position on that offensive line? Or do you think he's a developmental guy that maybe takes over for Bobby Hart uh, a year or two from now once Hart's contract is up? His, his beautiful contract they signed him to last, last offseason. I think he's probably a developmental guy. And, you know, I would like to see – stick him on one side of the field and let him learn guard and tackle on that side. And I don't particularly care what side it is because I think you you also kind of want to do – got to think about Fred Johnson too. So if Fred Johnson's really going to be pushing hard, and maybe, you know, maybe Fred Johnson's taking some reps at the at the right tackle spot, so maybe, maybe then you want to play around with uh, Hakeem over in the left. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, that's the setup too, is that you try and attack him because of the more valuable position. If he can do that, great. Um, but then, you know, you, you, you have the situation where you're kind of cross training him a little bit and getting him ready to, to potentially bump inside to guard. 
Um, and ideally, you know, Johnson or, or Ed needs you do impress. Um, and it, does Hart only have one year left in his contract? I think he's, he's got, got two. He's got two. Including oh, does he? Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, but, but yeah, maybe, maybe one of them impresses enough that you feel comfortable moving on. Uh, and then you keep both of them. The other one's the swing guy. And, you know, Fred Johnson already started two games at left tackle for the Bengals. Uh, so, you know, if he's, you know, if, if you teach him right, you know, that, that's kind of building in a, a little bit of swing potential with him. Um, also, just of note, because I, I think they feel a little bit better about Bobby Hart than we do. And, um, you know, Johnson, Fred Johnson did play guard for the Steelers. That's what the Steelers had him listed as. So I think that's kind of a dark horse to, to win one of those jobs. Um, I really think it's, I think it's the right side to me that's up for grabs. Because and correct me and, and I think you guys are a little bit more tied in with the breaking news stuff than I am. But to me, Suofilo has spent the majority of his career playing left guard, and it's not like yeah. either one's solid. So I would let Suofilo compete at left guard, and I think I think Suofilo is going to be a, a good starter for you. Um, you know, not not great, but I, I think he's probably going to be pretty pretty good in that spot. I, at this very moment, I probably feel better about him than anybody else uh, at, at guard. Um, so I I probably plug him in there, and then maybe let the Ohio State guys compete for uh, for the right guard, or and, and you know see how that goes, and see how everybody looks at tackle, and then maybe you bump one of the other guys inside to you know to compete for the guard spot if if it's not looking good. Yeah, and I, think I will so- say this about Adinaji um, at the Senior Bowl when he was with the North team; it wasn't with the South team. Though the Bengals coach he was only a guard there and I think he played most of his practice snaps at right guard and he actually fared a little bit better than that uh, in terms of just overall win rate so I, I I do like that the Bengals are not sticking him in at pitching hole pigeonholing him in like one position but I do agree with Matt if you're gonna if you're gonna go back and forth between guard and tackle keep it on one side probably keep it on the right side where he was actually a little bit better at in the senior bowl Speaking of the Senior Bowl, John, the Bengals, I believe, I saw from our good friend Ben Baby, who joined us on the program a couple of weeks ago, he put out a tweet saying that the Bengals have have selected three players of uh, from the Senior Bowl, of which they have three of their six so far, of which they have had uh, some significant exposure to. I don't think that's a surprise because that, as we mentioned, they use their coaches more heavily probably than mo- most teams in the direct scouting approach. Um, and obviously that was kind of one of the major events that teams were able to use um, in terms of face-to-face stuff because of the COVID crisis. So not really a surprise there, right? Well, yeah. And so um, Wilson, Davis, Gaither, and Adeniji all played in the Senior Bowl. Khalid, Khalid, uh, Khalid Kareem was also there. He just couldn't play because he was dealing with the yeah. shoulder injury. So yeah. I, think, I think he also got some time to spend with the Bengals coaching staff, at least talking to them. I think, you know, on that note, I, I tweeted this uh, probably like yesterday, but I think it's interesting. I, I'm sorry, this would have been, this probably would have been day one. But uh, I think it's interesting. Mims uh, and Josh Jones were two guys that not a lot of people were talking about prior to the Senior Bowl, and they got a lot of buzz after the Senior Bowl. And then they both slipped a lot farther in the draft than we when we thought they were going to. So I don't know what that means. <laughs> Look, I'm not trying to imply anything. Right. But I just I just think it's interesting to note that. I mean, I mean, John, you were there. Would you would you say that those are probably the? Would you say those are probably the guys that got the two biggest bumps and had the most buzz that people weren't really talking about going into, but were coming out? Easily. And if it wasn't Jones, the tackle was Ben Barge, who went in 
into, I think, the fourth round because he also suffered an injury as well. Yeah. I mean, yeah, those slides make no sense to me. Yeah. I mean, I like, I, oh, we lost somebody. (laughs) I kind of wonder if, uh, like, you hear about him at the the senior bowl and, It'd be interesting to look at the guys that were really popular in years past, but like, I wonder if like team C thinks at the senior bowl and then it's like, all right, well, we got to bring this guy in and see it for ourselves. And like, maybe they didn't, they didn't trust it because they didn't get the double check or something. I I, I don't know, but it's just kind of interesting that those guys were so big and people talk about Mims. I liked Mims, Mims's film. Um, I thought Mims's film was good. I don't think he plays as fast as he ran in the track. Um, But you know, some people will say, well, Nobody liked him until after the combine. I, I mean, I, I don't think that's true at all. I think the people that got into Baylor film were already on him. You know, maybe they weren't talking about him as a first rounder, but, um, but yeah, just, just kind of kind of interesting that those guys slipped and they were both really popular at the Senior Bowl. We are one pick away from. I, I feel like kind of a moron because I think I was saying two seventeen a couple of times. It's actually two fifteen that the Bengals are picking, and they are uh, on deck here. The Seattle Seahawks are on the clock. And then we have the Bengals' final pick uh, to, to of the seventh round here to kick that off. And um, you know, there's there's no, you know, if there was anything to be gained from an Andy Dalton trade, they've kind of run out of time there. I don't think another seventh round pick really warrants even maybe doing the deal. Who knows? I don't know. I mean, I guess you get something out of it, but that that this looks to be their last pick here. A couple of guys we've been asked about before the. Bengals make uh, make their last selection, and I want to get your guys' thoughts on them quickly. Um, John KJ Hill, I, I, I've been told, is still maybe available, the mm-hmm. Ohio State receiver, and then of course the big tackle that has had just a, the most up and down pre-draft process I can think of in, in a while. Trey Adams, the the big big yeah. big tackle out of Washington, injury issues and all kinds of other stuff is is you know, hurting his stock. What do you think about those two guys as possibilities for the Bengals uh, at 2.15 here? Who was the first one again? I'm sorry. KJ, KJ Hill? Did he get – Oh, right. He, uh, yeah. He, yeah, he's still he's still available. I think, yeah, if you want to take a chance on Hill, now's the time. He's, he doesn't excite you a lot because he's on the older side. He's just basically a slot-only guy. He doesn't really have a lot of um, versus, or, you know outside experience or outside ability. You could be you can use him on special teams as well. So th- this makes sense for him if you need a receiver of that form. But I think with what they have right now, they have like eleven guys that wide receivers. So he doesn't bring them anything right. that they don't already have. With Adams, I'm I've I, I, it's just it's just a scenario where I just don't want to deal with it. Like he could be good, but an athlete of that caliber, which is awful, it, it's rare for him to <laughs> it's rare for them to be anything more than just just like okay starters at the absolute best. Um, I can't speak on any of the character concerns that came up at the combine where he said his best attribute was his, was his uh, uh, genitals or something like that. But um, yeah, <laughs> I, I would just rather not deal with it. That's, that's uh, putting it diplomatically. The Bengals pick is in. Uh, the selection is Marcus Bailey, the inside linebacker of Purdue. That's Matt's guy. That's a, oh, that's great. I, I, I tell you what, like Bailey – Akeem Gaither and Logan Wilson, like I don't actually have this ranked out, but those are three of the best coverage linebackers in this draft. Like yeah, easily. Bailey Bailey played two games this year and then he blew out his knee. Um I actually I think I'm I think I was on a pod with one of you when I mentioned this, but um 
there was an interview with Zach Taylor where he said something about a guy. He saw a guy who was injured working out on YouTube. And I was like, oh, it's definitely Marcus Bailey. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, it was like the day that that video came out, we all saw it. But uh, that man, that's that's awesome. I mean, again, completely rechanging that that room, and um, I, you're kind of hedging your bet with with Akeem Gaither. You got two guys that are coming off injuries. I mean, maybe it's a maybe it's a redshirt year thing for for Bailey, like uh, like they had last year um, with the running back from Oklahoma, whose name I always screw up. It's Anderson, right? Rodney Anderson, yeah. Rodney yeah. Anderson, yeah. I, I always want to call him something else, but. Um, so I mean, yeah, you're hedging your bets nicely there, and and yeah, I mean those like those are all guys that are really good in coverage. That's that, that's pretty exciting, I think. You look at the stats here just just before John, um, before that injury that that stopped his senior year short of two games, uh, thirteen and a half sacks. In, in the in 2017-2018 combined, you got 20 tackles for loss, um, an interception apiece. Kind of does a little bit of everything um, and a guy that makes you more versatile on that defense. Lou Anarumo's got to be a pretty pretty hyped-up guy with this with this offseason, I got to tell you. Oh, absolutely. And I think I think we should have known something. So at least a double dipping at the position was going to come with how free agency turned out. They wanted to address it, but um, unfortunately the prices didn't match with the guys they were going after. Bynes is a perfect placeholder veteran to, you know, kind of groom these these now three rookies that they're going to have. But, yeah, I think this spells the end of it. Uh, definitely Hardy Nickerson, probably Jordan Evans as well. They mm-hmm. probably only keep five of these guys, and two of them are already on the roster. And now you add three rookies who I – mean, it, it, this is assuming that Bailey is going to be 100% for whatever football returns. Hopefully he is, and hopefully he's able to stay healthy throughout – whatever offseason program that they had, but Matt's exactly right. It, it, like these three, these three types of linebackers who are all very productive wherever they were at, who all have the, the, the capacity to be assets in space and in coverage. It's exactly what they needed for what they want to, for, for what they want to do. And I think at this point, exactly like it, it's the, it's the exact same risk they're taking with Rodney Anderson, who was a, a worthy risk last year in late in the sixth round. Marcus Bailey is a worthy risk in the seventh round, especially for how bad they need bodies at that position. Marvin Lewis would never. <laughs> no. all, all these coverage linebackers, Marvin right. Lewis would never. <laughs> but you know, the other thing about uh, that I think is great about Bynes too is both Bailey. We're, we're really Bailey's issue is 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 tackling is in the box, you know, and and he played a lot out of the box. Akeem Gaither, Akeem Davis Gaither, like like uh, John mentioned before, was essentially a small edge. So we've seen some traits, but he hasn't really played in the box either. So. You know, Bynes gives you that guy that's a little bit more experienced. I mean, it, you know, when you're on the goal line, if it's a definite running situation, things like that, and you want a guy who you can trust to get off blocks and 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 fill, you know, from guards, things like that, and and fill interior gaps, um, he's definitely right now better than those two guys are doing that. Um, and it, and it's interesting that they they went out and brought in that guy and then brought in you know at least two linebackers. I, I mean, Logan's Logan can do some of that stuff, I think, but. Um, you know, brought in some linebackers are completely different than him uh, through the draft. Well, I think the complaints, the fan complaints about them not addressing the linebacker position can maybe stall for <laughs> a little bit. I mean, uh, almost half of their entire draft class this year is comprised of linebackers and guys that can do a lot of different things. And by the way, they got guys who can do, you've got kind of your do-it-all guy in Logan Wilson. You've got your coverage guy in Marcus Bailey, and you've got the guy who brings – 
uh, some pass rush ability and other other play and space ability in Akeem Davis Gaither. So you've got some athletic guys, guys that can do a lot of different things. It's it's uh, you know they they've ignored that position uh, seemingly with with guys that can cover and do a lot of different things uh, for a long time, and now they've got three guys there. Quick, uh, we're gonna we're gonna get out of here in just a couple of minutes now that the pick is in. And again, that pick at two fifteen was Marcus Bailey, the linebacker out of Purdue. So. Um, you know, the Bengals completely revamped that linebacker room and really needed to. That was probably their biggest position of need. And they, you know, we wondered why they didn't do much at it aside from Josh Bynes in free agency, probably because they had planned on taking a number of maybe not three right while they were looking at it in free agency. But they knew they were probably going to be taking two guys at least in the in the draft. And that's what they did. Guys, first blush, I know I, you may or may not like the idea of doing a grade, but if you wanted to put a grade on these seven picks, John, what, what would you give this draft? You know, I'm seeing perfect, perfect draft and above average draft and all that kind of stuff in, in our comments. Where would you slate this draft class for the Bengals? For what it's worth, when I put together this, this board that I've been keeping up with, they chose, um, they, they chose one, one, a player for me. They chose a, um, three, uh, day two players and then three early day three players. So when you have seven picks all at the top of the first round, it's basically about as good as you could expect to do. Um, again, draft grades right after they happen are kind of weird to me. Um, and I also like to input in, in, in value long-term potential and, and how great these guys actually become. So the fact that they didn't draft, in my opinion, like multiple potential pro bowlers, it kind of hurts them in that regard. But I think they've drafted it at least a number of potential future starters on this team. And with only seven picks without having any extra trade capital from trading any doll and they're trading back, even when they wanted to trade back, I think they did about as well as you could have. And I think that warrants probably an A minus or B plus. Matt. Yeah, I'd say it's about the range. I, I give it a B plus. I think all the players they picked uh, with the exception of Burrow were, well, early on, they were, they were kind of, maybe a half round earlier than, than I might've thought they were, uh, you know, don't get me wrong. I, I like getting him there, but um, you know, Higgins was a guy I wasn't quite as high on, you know, we'll see. Cause it's, you know, it's one of those things, but I, I had him in round two, but it wasn't quite that, that high on him compared to some other guys. Uh, Logan Wilson, honestly, I had a cluster of linebackers in the second round, but I, I thought the very top of the second round was a little high, although some of those guys were starting to go. So it was probably good, but um, and then, you know, then you turn around and on day three, I thought that like it was great value because Davis Gaither, I mean, Davis Gaither, we were expecting before he got injured to go to the combine, run something ridiculous and be in the conversation for 33. So that guy's healthy and we got him in, in the fourth round, you know, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, like we said, I got to look a little bit more in, in, in the, uh, uh, Khalid, but, or Khalid, but. He's a guy that was I where I ranked him was right where they took him. Uh, and then I think Hakeem and Bailey here at the end are guys that I saw as, you know, fourth or fifth rounders. So they're, they're, they're getting, you know, real good value on those guys towards the end. Uh, may, yeah, maybe just a, a, a touch early uh, at the beginning, but both guys I'm, I'm really high on. So uh, I'm kind of nitpicking on the value. And, and honestly, I'm doing that because this is immediately after the draft. I'm trying not to get caught up in the emotion, but I'm very happy right now. Uh, <laughs> so I'm trying not to ride that too much and, and get too excited about it. But I, I feel really good about where this came out. 
Um, I'm excited to, to, you know, take a deep dive and, and do some of these film rooms and look, look at a little bit more into, into them. But uh, it, it's interesting, too, how there seems to be a plan. And you can see where a lot, a lot of these guys will fit. Uh, you know, the we talked about the kind of the rotation with the linebackers. I think it's going to be interesting, too, to see how hopefully Bell and Williams uh, fit in. Uh, you know, Sean Williams was a guest on um, Orange, of the, Orange of the New Black uh, and was talking with those guys about how he felt a little out of sorts this year. Um, I thought he played very well in 2018, to be honest yeah. with you. Uh, and this year, it's been a lot of talk about him being a linebacker. Like, oh, let's get a safety and turn him into a linebacker. And that came up with Von Bell. Um, and yes, he does line up in that position. And yes, uh, he was essentially a dime linebacker for them. Uh, you know, when the when the third safety would come in, um, but it doesn't sound like he was really comfortable in there, and, and we did see him have some struggles. So, being able to let him be a more true safety, I think you know, hopefully, we'll see a little bit more out of him. So, seeing um, you know, and and like the production that, that he's had is has, has mirrored uh, Bates, but we don't think about it because we see the negative place. Uh, but so it'll, it'll be interesting to see how they work in those safeties with these linebackers. Um, I mean, it's, it's going to be really exciting. Yeah, this is for me. It's probably just first blush, B plus, uh, right around that area for me. Very good draft. One of the better ones I can remember in recent memory. I mean, I think I look back. This is one of the ones I've been most excited about, um, and not just because they had the high picks, but uh, the guys they ended up picking. Uh, I'm I'm pretty pretty revved up about, and I think this is one of the best. I, I look back to like 2012 when they got Marvin Jones and Georgia Loca on that third day in that class. And I was, I was pretty revved up then. And this, this class reminds me of that a little bit and what they did on day three, how they were able to get some good value on some of those players. So. Um, and look at it last year, like just comparing it to last year, there were two moments last year when it was like, what are they doing? Right. You know, right. and, and we all talk about sample, but also Deshaun Davis. I mean, I mean, John, what, you know, what do you, what are the what do the analytics say about that guy's measurables? Uh, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't, wasn't very fast. But but he was a I mean but but he was a team captain and ran the defense and all that stuff that we we saw with some of these guys, but didn't have the athletic profile. So uh, there wasn't a bad moment, you know. I think T Higgins might have surprised us because many of us were very high on Mims, myself included. Um, and you know, and and Anthony, I'm I'm, I'm willing to bet you would have. You would have picked Pittman on that pick over, over T. Higgins. Uh, yeah, but, you know, like, but it's like, still, you see it. Like, that was a guy that had first round buzz. Like, you get it. You know, he's not, maybe not the guy you pick, but you get it. Uh, so there are no, like, what are they doing moments. And, man, that's, yeah. that's, that's a low threshold, but it's a positive anyway. You know? In all honesty, it kind of, this draft, kind of reminds me of 2016 and it's obviously much different because you're getting a franchise quarterback and you're not just picking a cornerback in the late first round but then that in that draft they had seven picks and i don't think they really made a bad one throughout it and they had basically every one of those guys make it on the roster for multiple years unfortunately christian westerman never really worked out nick v, nick v hill never turned into a solid starter but he gave you valuable snaps tyler boyd and william jackson are looking to be you know, tyler boyd's already one of the highest paid players at his position william jackson's hoping to be that next year Andrew Billings turned into a solid starter at, at nose tackle. Cody Core and Clayton Fedulum carved out careers in special teams. All seven picks ended up doing something yeah. in the NFL yeah, to some point. degree. And I, and I think that this class has potential to do that. But yeah, it, it, it even better and more 
you know, important scale because one of them is a franchise quarterback. One of them is hopefully the the number one or future number two weapon you hope to groom with them. So it could be a better version of that, in my opinion. The one thing I, I don't want to belabor the point on it because we talked about it on last night's show, but the one thing in looking at more of T Higgins last night after the pick and, and thinking on it, I mean, the, the, what the Bengals wanted out of that, out of that position and a guy they wanted is a guy who could stretch the field, a guy who's got great hands and a guy who will win jump ball opportunities Red zone opportunities. You can throw fade routes to him. The back shoulder throws. Credit to John Talk bringing up that point. With that being a strength of Burrow, those back shoulder throws Absolutely. that he made so many times. This that's that's where this kid I think comes into play. Uh, you know, I I liked Michael Pittman just from a you know a standpoint. I liked him a little bit more than Higgins, but I understand that pick, uh, and I I am good with it. And I think that you know that's also a guy that could potentially rise up and be one of their starting guys. You know, once AJ Green's moves on and whatnot. Uh, let's get out of here, guys. We've gone. I, I said I told you we would do a short show, and here we are, <laughs> almost an hour in. Of course. That's, I mean, it's like uh, a half an hour before the pick came in. Anyway. Oh, I know, I know. We couldn't really help that one. I, I, yeah, I, I guess we started a little early, but that's okay. This has been awesome, and uh, I thank you both for your time. I know it's been a busy weekend for both of you, and uh, I am really, really excited about the direction of this football team, and I think it's going to start paying dividends not only right away, but um, you know, definitely in twenty one and twenty two. Thanks a bunch, guys. Uh, go catch Matt's chalk talk episodes. I'm sure he's going to have quite a few pumping out with the new picks that the Bengals have put up this weekend. John and I will be doing more breakdowns. Hopefully all three of us will be doing some interviews, not only with the crop of these players, we're working on some of that, but others as the summer progresses. Keep it to us. iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Megaphone, iHeartRadio, YouTube, and CincyJungle.com. For Matt Manick, John Sheeran, I'm Anthony Cosenza. Thanks for sticking with us all weekend long. You guys have been so great to us in our shows. Appreciate it. See you soon.